Please take out your Bibles and turn with me to Paul's letter to the Galatians. We're here at week number eight in our series through this letter. As we approach God's word, let's turn to him once again in prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is before us. We thank you that it indeed is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Father, would you, through the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit, give us understanding of your word and give us a growing desire and ability to put your word into practice, giving all glory and praise to you through Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Most of you have heard of Charles Spurgeon, the great 19th century Baptist pastor in London. He uh, preached thousands of sermons, and they are, I believe, all bound, and you can read all of his sermons. Um, he can take one verse and go for several sermons. Uh, in a sermon, he made this statement, quote, The doctrine of the divine covenants lies at the root of all true theology. It has been said that he who well understands the distinction between the covenant of works and the covenant of grace is a master of divinity. I am persuaded that most of the mistakes which men make concerning the doctrines of Scripture are based upon fundamental errors with regard to the covenants of law and of grace. Some of you may, be, may remember me saying a time or two that um, it's really important to know the difference between the both and and the either or. And Scripture, in many places, places us in the position of having to decide and know, is this an either or, or is this a both and? And I would agree that most of our mistakes, many of our mistakes, um, can be traced back to the fact that we confuse and can't distinguish and differentiate between the both and and the either or. In fact, if I ever wrote a book, I think I would like to um, entitle it something along the lines of the wisdom we need to know the difference between the both and and the either or. Well, in today's text, Paul draws our attention to the truth that when it comes to being in a right, to being in a right relationship with God, it's either justification by faith or justification by works. It's not both and. It's not like we saw last week. Begin with faith and finish by works. It's either or. And I think we'll see this in clear distinction today. I think people have common longings. Uh, I think most of us, all of us, have an instinctive desire to be in favor and fellowship with the members of our family, right? We want to be in their favor. We want to enjoy fellowship. We want the same thing with friends, right? We want 
to, to, to receive the favor of friends, to give the favor to friends. We want to be in fellowship with them. And whether it's the true and living God or whether it's the thousands, if not millions, of so-called gods that people make, false gods, people want to be in favor and in fellowship with God. In our, two, in our text, I think we'll see two longings uh, that are corrupted but not eliminated. And that is to be justified before God and to live. I think most people want to be justified before God. And most people, if not all people, want to live. Now, although we, all people, have rebelled against God, we still long to be right with Him. We still long to be justified before Him and live not so much a physical and biological living, but a spiritual and eternal life, not in this age only, but in the age to come. Join with me as I read Galatians 3, beginning, actually, let's go back to verse 7, beginning in verse 7. Know then that is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In verse 10, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Well, before we look at these trees, let's step back and take a look once again at the forest. Here we are looking at the gospel according to the Bible, an exposition of the letter to the Galatians. Why this series? Well, it's a good follow-up from the gospel according to uh, Mark, looking at the person and work of Jesus. Who is he? What did he come to do? And how should someone respond to the person and work of Jesus? Here, we're looking at what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Galatians focuses on the gospel, the good news from Jesus and about Jesus, about salvation in Jesus. And the gospel both creates and sustains the church. Corporate worship on the Lord's Day reorients the church to the gospel. That's what our order of worship is designed to do, as you can read there in the bulletin today. To reorient us to the gospel. At the beginning of every new week, because we forget, we need to be reminded. Indeed, corporate worship is a representation of the gospel. Who God is, who man is, what sin is, what sin has done. 
and how Christ has rescued us from sin and death. For many people throughout the years, hearing, reading, studying Galatians has served as a breakthrough, a major breakthrough in their spiritual life as they've discovered, or as the case may be, rediscovered that Christianity was not first and foremost about what they had to do for God, but rather first and foremost what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. Remember Paul, the converted Pharisee, now once persecutor of the church, now preacher of the gospel and planter of churches. He is traveling throughout the Mediterranean world, preaching and planting churches. And here is a region, a Roman political region uh, that's part of modern day Turkey called Galatia. He has preached the gospel, he has planted churches, but now he's writing to those churches to defend the gospel and to counter those who are coming in to teach that Christians must also keep the law, the Old Testament law, in order to be accepted by God. They are preaching a Jesus plus gospel. Remember, in one sentence, this is the outline of Galatians. What God has done, we see that in in, in chapters 1 and 2, teaches us what we should believe. We see that in 3 and 4 and how we should live in 5 and 6. There's autobiography, there is theology, and there is ethics. And Paul's main purpose is to draw attention and defend the truth of the gospel. Indeed, the theme of Galatians we've been saying, and it's always worth repeating, is faith, more specifically justification by faith. And running throughout Galatians is the biblical teaching about salvation from sin and death that characterized what we are now celebrating, the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Justification by faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, and all for the glory of God alone. For two weeks, we camped out on Galatians 2.16, because in three times in that one verse is the distinction between justification by faith and the works of the law. We read this, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ so that we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. We know, that's Paul talking to Peter, we know, it's the we know that the Galatian church is listening to, and it's the we know that we are listening to now. But you know what? Paul is gonna time and time and time again throughout this letter go back to that. He says we know it, but do we really know it? That's why Luther can rightly say we should know this article well. We should teach it unto others, and we should beat it into their heads continually. Luther is just following Paul because Paul is beating it into our heads continually, gently at times, strongly at times. Last week we saw in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 3, by faith from, first to sh- from start to finish, we saw an accusation. Paul called the Galatians foolish, but then he made an argument, both from their own experience and Scripture. And now he's going to go further into Scripture as we move into verse 10. Well, we've read our text. Let's now explore our text in a bit more detail. First, by noting that there are two ways to live. Did you hear that? In our text, there are two 
ways to live that are presented. Paul here is preaching Christ from the Old Testament because what Paul will will quote is Old Testament text because that's all he had. Think about the day of Pentecost, Peter preaching. What's he preaching? He's preaching the Old Testament scriptures and he's preaching the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul is doing the same. He quotes twice from the Old Testament here in verses 11 and 12, which is where we're starting. One from the prophets and the other from the law. And both, did you notice that the prophets and the law declare that a certain man shall live? In other words, both promise him eternal life. Look with me at what the prophet Habakkuk says in verse 11. The righteous shall live by faith. He's quoting the prophet Habakkuk, and he'll quote him in Romans as well. The righteous shall live by faith. But Paul is also affirmatively quoting the law. In verse 12, he says this, The one who does them shall live by them. Paul is going back to Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, and the entire verse, Leviticus 18, verse 5, says this, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. Two different roads are being portrayed that lead to life. The first promises life to the believer. The second promises life to the doer. The first makes faith the way of salvation. The second makes works the way of salvation. The first says that only God can justify. The second implies that we can manage all by ourselves. These are two alternatives before us. Is a man justified by faith or by works? Paul has already said it. He said it three times in Galatians 2.16. Why is he saying it again? You guys ever have to repeat yourself? Do um, I, I'm on the receiving end of, uh, were you listening to me? Um, Repetition, repetition, repetition. Do we receive eternal life by believing or by doing? Is a man justified by faith or by works? Is salvation entirely and only by the free grace of God in Christ Jesus? Or is it by that and something we contribute to as well? Now, we've got to stop here for a moment and say, why does the Bible seem to confuse the issue and at first glance teach both ways when they both appear contradictory? Here's two ways to life. Justified by faith, justified by works, believing and doing, and here they are together. Well, we need to answer these questions, and in order to do so, we're going to examine the two roads, the two alternatives to eternal life. First, let's explore the way of works. Let's go back to verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Cursed. 
the pronouncement of a solemn curse. God's solemn judgment against sinful humanity. We all know God's standard is perfect. We all heard in what was read before that God requires nothing less than total obedience to the entire law. God requires consistent, constant obedience to His revealed will. Otherwise, there's a curse. James in chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. It's the idea, children, that, that one little drop of poison in a clear, cool glass of water spoils it all. Would you like your glass with half poison or just a drop of poison? Well, either way, it's going to kill you. Our shorter catechism, which we've been reviewing downstairs in the Sunday school class, in question 19, answers this when asked, what is the misery of that estate into which man fell? All mankind, by their fall, lost communion with God, are under his wrath and curse and so made liable to all the miseries of this life, to death itself, and the pains of hell forever. God's wrath, His punishment, God's curse. Indeed, question 84 asks this, what doth every sin deserve? Big sin, little sin. Sin people know about, people sin that people don't know about. Sin that you intentionally um, uh, did, sin that you unintentionally did. What does Every sin deserve, every sin deserves God's wrath and curse, both in this life and that which is to come. The, our shorter catechism didn't make this up. It got this from God's word and helps us understand God's word. Here, as, we, as echoes of Deuteronomy, is blessing versus cursing. The blessing of God brings justification and life. The curse of God brings condemnation and death. Now notice that everyone is under this curse, Gentiles as well as Jews. Because what the Bible says about human nature is confirmed by human history. Ever since the fall, man has been sinning and being sinned against. Did you hear earlier, or not earlier, but yeah, did you hear that there is a promise of life for the doer. A promise of life for the doer. Is that a contradiction? Because verse 10 seems to say that everyone is under a curse. But life is promised for the doer. The problem with the law is not the law. The problem with the law is our sin. Because no one is able to give complete, absolute, total obedience. Because the dreadful function of the law here is to condemn, not to justify. No one has done them. Therefore, no one can live by them. The road to God and eternal life here ends up being a dead end. Look at how Paul concludes verse 10. He comes into verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. So here we are with a dilemma. If obedience to the law is not possible, if the curse is both on Jew and Gentile, how can anyone be saved? 
Paul doesn't leave us hanging. He provides the answer. So let's now travel down the other road. Not the works of not the road of works, but rather the road of faith, the way of faith. And let's see where it leads. Verses 13 through 14. We read this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The way of faith, by faith, not in yourself, but in another man, a certain man. These words have got to be shocking, astonishing. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He would write later to the Corinthian church, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. The only way to escape the curse is not by our work, Paul is saying, but by his. Because he's saying that what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, we could not do for ourselves. The curse of the law is the curse resting on us because of our disobedience. The catechism helps us out as well. It asks, what does God require of us that we may escape his wrath and curse that's due to us for sin? To escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, with all the diligent use, with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. How does this curse get taken away and this blessing provided through an action? Here is deliverance from the curse by the transfer of the curse. The curse was transferred from us to him in order to deliver us from it. The disciples or the the authors of the New Testament are at a pains to draw attention to Jesus hanging on the cross as confirmation that Jesus is bearing the curse of God for sin. It's not that being hanged on a tree was the curse. No, being hanged on a tree is a public proclamation of the fact that this person is cursed by God for disobedience. And Paul and others are drawing attention to Jesus' sin-bearing, curse-bearing death on the cross. Here it is, redemption Christ redeemed us from the law. This is a common expression that people would have understood. It's everyday commerce. A purchase has been made. And in particular, in this day and age, it would refer to the purchase of a slave, the buying of a slave, you redeeming this person. There's also substitution. Christ is punished for our sin. There's also satisfaction. There's the the fulfillment of the law for us. Because Leviticus 18.5, all the way back then and there, points forward to the way of Christ. So an action is taken. Jesus is put to death. 
but a result comes out of that action. And that is this, believers receive the blessing of Abraham and the promise of the Spirit. The promise of life for the believer. The believer lives by faith. When Luther, Martin Luther was a professor and he was having to teach Galatians, he got stuck here in verse 11 where he reads, the righteous shall live by faith. Luther at the time was trying to live by what he could do, by how he could live rightly and correctly and he was running into the fact that he could not do it how much is enough Luther writes later in looking at the influence of this verse on his own life he says this before those words broke upon my mind I hated God and was angry with him But when by the Spirit of God I understood those words, the just shall live by faith, the just shall live by faith, then I felt born again like a new man. I entered through the open doors into the very paradise of God. Two destinations, blessing or curse, life or death. And there are two roads, the road of faith or the road of works. To reach them. Either or. Either or. What does uh, being faced with an either or um, situation require of us? Come on. I know we don't like to say it. Choose. Choose. We got to make a choice. Make a choice. Later in Deuteronomy chapter 30, we read this. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him for he is your life and length of days. Faith and works. Works and faith. Actually, faith or works. Works or faith. Kids, have you guys ever been in a boat? Anybody ever been in a boat? How'd you get into the boat? It was tied up to what? The dock. The boat is tied up to the dock. And if I remember correctly, you have to step from the dock to the boat, right? And there's a time, right, that you've got one foot where? On the dock and one foot in the boat. And you've got to make a decision, right? You've got to get into the boat. Otherwise, when the boat pulls away, what happens to you? You go into the water. Well, in a similar way, this is where Scripture, God's Word, puts us. Either on the dock or on the boat. It's all or nothing. You're either on the dock or you're in the boat. You can't be in both places. So in order to live, again, we either obey all of the law completely, totally, externally, and inwardly. We, if you can do that, Scripture says you can live. Or you believe Jesus. You trust Him. You place your faith in Him. 
Jesus addresses the issue of faith and works. In John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29, we read this. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Great question. Those folks had got to have been reading Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. In other words, the work is to believe in Jesus, to trust Jesus. Faith is laying hold of Jesus personally. Its value is not in itself, but its value is in its object. And faith in Jesus Christ leads to life, as Jesus himself had said. And this is eternal life, that they may know you and the, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So let's end by going back to an earlier question. Is it both and, or is it either or? By now, I hope we've all seen from God's word, and we are growing in our understanding that it's either faith or works. We either trust God to justify us by faith or we try to justify ourselves by our works. Faith is the last word in our text, both in the English and in the original Greek. We've got to make a choice. Is it works or faith? But you know what? I want you all to know and be assured that a choice has already been made by Jesus. Hymn number 261 in our Trinity hymnal says this. What wondrous love is this, O my soul, O my soul? What wondrous love is this, O my soul? What wondrous love is this that calls the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul, to bear the dreadful curse for my soul? Yes, we're faced with a choice, but my friends, we're also faced with the good news of the choice that Jesus made to go to the cross in our place, on our behalf. Again, faith is the last word in our text. May it also not only be the last word in our text, but may it be the first word when it comes to how sinners like you and me have the favor of God and enjoy the fellowship of God in this life, and in the life to come. Because it's only through faith in Christ that we move from curse to blessing. There's no other way to move from curse to blessing than through faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Almighty God, we acknowledge that we were so sinful and wicked that Jesus had to die for us. Yet we also acknowledge that we are so loved and treasured 
that Jesus was glad to die for us. Indeed, those who believe and trust in Jesus are the joy set before him as he headed to the cross. Father, Jesus took your curse so that we could receive your blessing. What an amazing exchange. May your word that we have just heard, Father, take up residence in our life and change us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, our crucified and our saving substitute and our risen and reigning Lord. For your glory and for the good of your people now and forever, we pray. Amen.